Welcome back, everyone, to episode 24 of the Effie Awards, where we discuss the best of worst of not just legal ethics, but general ethics and a lot of stupidity. And we're going to have a good time this week. I've got some exciting cases for you. Spent a lot of time this weekend just being excited to give them to you because I've been looking forward to talking about these all week. We're going to get right to our first category, our first nominee, Worst Love Scene. And unfortunately, the most appropriate movie choice here was the movie Misery. Take a listen. I can imagine what you might be thinking of me. But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night, it came so clear. I realize you just need more time. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking a Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working. But they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Amy, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Amy, for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. Here we have a Maine lawyer who agreed to surrender his license for multiple violations, including, and these are the important ones, making unwanted sexual advances towards two of his women clients. Uh, the first woman claims that the lawyer repeatedly touched her in a sexual way, made inappropriate jokes on a number of occasions, flirted with her, made sexually subjective, suggestive comments to her, suggesting that she should dress more provocatively when she came to see him. Now his defense, of course, was, you guessed it, she was all up on this. Yep, that's right. He's convinced that his 67-year-old milkshake brings all the women to the yard. Really? At 67, he's at best a butter milkshake. Right, and no one is coming to the yard for that. Even if you have a tennis court, a pool, and a gazebo in your yard, uh, nobody is coming for that. And sadly, this first victim uh, got off light, at least in comparison to woman number two. The second woman tells a story that is so horrifying, it's like the movie Misery. In fact, it's so bad that she ends up filing a $900,000 lawsuit against the lawyer afterwards, and quite frankly, that's only, it was only $900,000 because it was in Maine. All right, prices are cheaper there. Somebody had done this in New York, LA, Chicago, $3 million easy. But let me not get ahead of myself. Here is, is what happened. The woman hires this lawyer to handle a legal matter that was time sensitive. And she agreed to go with him when he invited her to a restaurant near his law office because she really needs this done. At the restaurant, she said she was invited to order food and drinks and then became severely impaired. According to her, she says, quote unquote, she lost all consciousness, awareness of myself and my surroundings. Sound a little bit like he roofed here, right? Don't know that. I'm not saying that. Don't sue me. I'm simply saying it sounds like that. She says he brings her back to his office where he attempts to molest her, touch her. She gets sick and throws up. And he, At that point, he offers her water. She says even the water doesn't taste like water. And then he drives her back to his home that is located technically 
in the middle of nowhere. That, that's actually the, the location of it. Of course, we're talking about Maine, so that's the location of everything, right? It's Maine. <laughs> but his place is so far out that he describes it all right, as a place that no one would find her, nor would she ever be able to find her way back from without him. It gets worse. At his home, she says he takes all her clothes from her. He eventually gives her a t-shirt to wear, um, but he says he keeps touching her. And she's trying to regain her faculties until all night. And she says she recalls seeing on the side of the bed that he has her in uh, a handgun and bullets on the bedside table. She, she says she's scared for her life, and I believe her, and thought that you know, he was going to hurt her if she tried to leave. Sound, you get the misery uh, analogy here, right? And, and, and by the way, she couldn't leave anyway because she was so impaired from whatever she had to eat or drink. Now, in this lawyer's defense at the bar proceeding, he says it didn't exactly happen that way. Sure, she did magically get really impaired, and he had to take her back to his house in the middle of nowhere, but he didn't, he says, I, I didn't touch her. Yeah, yeah, I kissed her a lot, but, but I didn't, you know, really, you know, do, do the molesting thing. And, and he says, by the way, it, it, this doesn't really count because she wasn't technically a client yet. And therefore, it wasn't a violation of Rule 1.8J, the rule that says you can't sleep with the client. Now, here's the truth. Uh, she was a client. She met him for legal purposes. She had already paid him a retainer. And the main bar wasn't hearing any part of this. Thankfully, they said, hey, you know, you find Stephen King, you guys write some scary stuff together. You're doing the scary stuff. Let him write it out. But we're not going to go for this. And one of the things a lawyer tried here, and this is something that lawyers will try from time to time. It's an important thing to remember is that they'll try to get in in the she's my boo loophole. You notice the lawyer said, that's not my client yet. Because the rule specifically for lawyers says you can't have physical relationships with a client unless you were already doing the do beforehand. The purpose of that rule is not for you to wait for the cute client to come in, try to date her a little bit, right? take her to dinner, right, and back to your crazy, creepy main lair, and then sign the engagement letter. The purpose of that is to allow you to represent your spouse. Right, someone you're already in a relationship with, by the way, which is also probably not a good idea anyway. All right, so you probably shouldn't even try that loophole, but certainly not this one here. And you know, obviously, you know, there's nothing funny about this case, it's a tragic case. The other thing here is this may be the more disturbing part is that no one should have really been surprised that this happened. Why? Because this story has a history of this in 1984. This same lawyer was fired from his job, then as a probation officer, for sexually harassing multiple women co-workers. Now, do you think he took a 35-year break, right, between 84 and 2020, and just stopped you know, harassing women? Do you think maybe this is something he, he grew out of over the years? No. And this is the problem, all right, is that we tend to think that, you know, people will learn their lesson. And unless you seek help, all right, unless this lawyer seeks help, he'll be 100 years old, sexually harassing every nurse and, and fellow resident at the Shady Pines retirement home. Nothing in life just magically gets better with age. As someone who threw his back out last week while trying to remove a bottle of Diet Coke from you know, one of those six-pack rings, trust me on this one. All right, you don't just get magically better with age. You got to work at it. 
And that means we can't be so quick to just say, oh, that was a few years ago, that was a while ago. No, right? unless someone has gotten help, unless we see some reason to expect that they've changed, they're not. People don't magically get better, neither does my back. I gotta go see a doctor. Do, uh, do you remember my son? Blair, yeah. We went to some ball games with him. Yeah, that's right. He joined the bureau, didn't he? Yeah. How is he? Dead. That was a clip from the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Raw Deal. And our next nominee is in the category of most creative tale. Here we have a lawyer who attempted to trick the other party into accepting a raw deal. Uh, specifically, we have an Illinois lawyer. He's representing the husband in the divorce, or she's representing the husband in the divorce. Uh, during the pendency of the proceeding, it's customary for the parties to agree on temporary matters, like who gets to live in the house, right, until you have to sell it or whatever, who, who gets temporary custody of the children, stuff like that. And so what usually happens is one of the parties drafts up an order for the judge to sign that contains all of the agreed upon terms. In this case, the two lawyers get together for a hearing before the judge. The husband lawyer shows the other lawyer a simple one-page order that she had drafted up, and everything looks good. So when their business with the court is concluded, the wife's lawyer leaves, and the husband's lawyer, the lawyer in question here, is supposed to hand that order to the judge. Instead, our lawyer throws out that order, throws in the garbage can, and hands the judge a two-page order which contains new provisions that the other party didn't agree to, right? Such as the husband here will receive exclusive possession of the marital home until the divorce is final and the majority of the custody time, right? And that either party could require the other party to submit to a drug test at any time. And, and oh yeah, the husband doesn't have to pay any child support until after the divorce is finalized. And a weird one that neither party could take the child's phone away as a punishment. Now, when the lawyer hands the judge the order to sign, the judge asks, as the judge will always ask, now, this is what you both agreed to, right? And the lawyer says, sure, you, you know you can trust me. And normally judges can trust lawyers not to pull a bait and switch on the terms. Why? Because it's not like the other side is gonna forget what they agreed to or say, oh, I see what you did there. A uh, good one. Well played. You got me. I, nope. Uh, the other lawyer is going to scream bloody murder or at least bloody forgery. And I mean that literally. This is something I just learned in researching this. <laughs> this lawyer ended up being criminally charged with felony forgery. See, normally we think of forgery as the act of signing someone else's signature. But, but forgery is larger than that. Forgery is basically presenting any document to anyone saying this is what the other person agreed to all right so for instance you don't have to forge their signatures let's say you have their signature but then you switch out all the other terms before the signature that's forgery as well in addition to being a crime it's also really unethical and violates at least five separate ethics rules I can think of off the top of my head and for the record uh, that's five too many now, incredibly, the lawyer here is charged with both state and federal crimes. The federal feds drop their charges. They say, fine, you know what? If you agree to plead guilty to misdemeanor state charges, we're going to be fine with this. And, and look, you're an upper-class white woman. You're not going to jail. That's not how America works. 
However, it's not going to work out so well for Sister Girl here, at least with the state bar. Uh, she's already pled guilty, so she can't come up there with, I'm innocent. See, see what had happened was, she's not that white. Girlfriend is in trouble. Now, the reason I brought this case to you, though, because it should be clear that this doesn't happen that often with lawyers in court, but it happens quite a bit with contracts. See, a judge doesn't have to sign off on the sale of your local bakery, for instance. So, as the document is being sent back and forth with revisions, lawyers have been known to inadvertently, and sometimes vertently, forget to redline a change. Uh, and this presents an interesting dilemma for the other lawyer, particularly if the contract gets signed and only later they discover the change term. Why? Be because that lawyer was supposed to catch it beforehand. So well, the right thing to do is call the client and say, oh, girlfriend, I'd I, I have messed up. What had happened was, you don't necessarily want to be yelled at or, or sued. <laughs> and so it's just like likely the lawyer won't say anything. And, and the lawyer will think, well, hey, you know, maybe the issue will never come up. For instance, let's say that the new provision that was snuck in uh, requires the client to give up their firstborn if the donuts aren't as fresh as promised in the new bakery. The lawyer will think, hey, no biggie. Those donuts are always fresh. And besides, my client hates his firstborn. Hell, everybody hates that kid. Like, I only met him once. I hate him. <laughs> you get my point, right? Is that an unscrupulous lawyer may attempt to pull a fast one knowing that the other party will be in a really bad position to try to call him on it if they get away with it at the beginning because who wants to go back and remind everybody you didn't read the stuff you were supposed to read? Here's the important thing, though is that the reason you don't want to do this, and by the way, non-lawyers could try to get away with this and all kinds of you know contract negotiations. Here's the reason you don't want to try to be that guy or gal, because you got to deal with other people, and that kind of stuff gets around. You get a reputation for that. By the way, everyone who looks like you will get a reputation for that. And what I mean by that is, and people of color know what I'm talking about here, we, you know, we get held responsible for everything that everyone else did. So you go in there and pull this and say, me as a black man, now the next 28 black guys are going to be looked at a little suspiciously. So that's kind of how human beings work. We, we group these things together. And I'll give you a great example of this. I one time was working across from a guy. I used a bakery sale explicitly because this was a bakery sale. I'm representing the acquirer. He wants to buy this bakery and he's bought other bakeries. And he comes to me and tells me how we really got to be careful here and, and really watch these people because this is, you know, a Chinese bakery and you can never trust the Chinese. This guy had one bad dealing with some, you know, Chinese American baker. It might even been a misunderstanding, but he was absolutely convinced that every Chinese person after that was horrible. And we, we could not trust them. I don't know why he told a black man that. That's a whole different story. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but you can see how people will make those assumptions. No one in your firm could be trusted, right? No one from your law school, etc. So you're not just ruining your reputation, but you're making it harder for the next person if you try to pull a fast one like this. Oh, jeez. You got an injury. Oh, my neck. My neck got it. Sorry about that. I didn't assume you were going to come to a full stop in the middle of a highway. Oh, a mama badger and a baby crossing the road. A badger, huh? Yeah, oh my god, my fibromyalgia is just shooting down my spine. Jeez Louise. No, this is totally my fault. Why don't you got your license on you? Why don't we swap information and we can get the insurance companies involved? Man, I guess that's 
what it comes to. I hate to tell you, but that's, that's a custom paint job. Thank you. You know, if it's okay with you, I'm okay and I'm cool with just doing cash. Yeah, cash would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Sandy Bigelow Patterson. Yeah. Bigelow's such a rare name. Well, it's a family name, you know. It uh, goes back to the Mayflower. Is that right? Yeah, Jeremiah Bigelow. You maybe have heard of him, pretty, pretty prominent bear hunter. Sounds brave. Kind of a big deal. Here's my license with my name right there. Sandy Bigelow Patterson. Gotcha. That was a scene from the movie Identity Theft. And this nominee is in one of our less popular, no less interesting or fun categories, but it's not as popular, best use of deceptive marketing. And interestingly, this is not a case of a lawyer who is in trouble here, because this lawyer had the good sense to ask first, before they did the dumb thing. And specifically, we're talking about, we have an Ohio lawyer here. He's a personal injury lawyer who advertises through online search engines like you know, Google, Yahoo. I, I read that, I, I couldn't even believe, really, Yahoo? That, that's still a thing? Is MySpace not taking new customers? Anyway, <laughs> or anywho, Yahoo, the search engines allow their advertisers to bid on, on certain keywords so that if someone types in, say, automobile accident lawyer, then the high bidder's website will come up first near the top of the search results. Now, this is obviously something that's very useful, right, for any, any internet marketer and does not run afoul of the legal ethics rules. But here's the thing. My guess is that the really good lawyer keywords, such as things like, you know, sue and get big money, are really expensive to get because everybody wants to have those. And there's a lot of competition, particularly among the really big personal injury law firms out there. And this lawyer is trying to grow his burgeoning practice. So he's not, you know, the big time lawyer, but he gets the following idea. Instead of bidding and losing on the keywords that all of his big time competitors are bidding on, he would like to bid on their names. And what I mean by that is whenever, you know, John Q. Public Lawyer is searched for, or let's say Johnny Cochran, right, then this lawyer wants their law firm to come up first. So he wants to bid on the keyword of his competitors. Now, fortunately, the lawyer had the good sense to think, hey, I wonder if the bar might find this to be a violation of the rule that says lawyers can't use misleading marketing tactics or otherwise engage in acts of deceit and maybe tricking my competitor's clients into coming to my website might be considered just a tad, a, a skosh dishonest. And so what the lawyer does, which is really good, is he says, you know what, let me check. And as you can imagine, the Ohio Board of Professional Conduct answered this question with, uh, you bet not. And I'm paraphrasing, but not by a lot. In a fairly short and terse letter, three pages at most, they let the lawyer know if he even thinks about pulling this nonsense, uh, he'll be delivering lunch to Google as a DoorDash driver. But he won't be practicing law unless he wants to move to New Jersey. Now, I chose this case to bring up to you, not because any of you care about the legal marketing rules. There's something that lawyers do have a tradition of, and it's a very cool thing, is that we actually have mechanisms in place that allow us to ask for permission and not just for forgiveness. And it's funny because I know a lot of people who think that you should do the opposite in life, right? 
ask for forgiveness and not permission. Just do what you want to do first and then suffer the consequences later. Um, that doesn't work well at all. E even in marriage. You know, as a matter of fact, try it in marriage. And you'll be one of the 50%. You know, remember, we're in, a, we're in a country where half of all marriages end in failure and the other half end in divorce. Um, you already going to be in one of those 50. Um, you, you keep this up. Uh, you're going to be in both of them. <laughs> as I said, the law has processes to, to allow us to not have to do this. When I was a young junior baby lawyer, a securities lawyer, doing these deals in which we were raising money on Wall Street, you know, buying and selling companies, my job, very oftentimes, was to write no-action letters to the SEC. And it's called a no-action letter because basically you write the letter and you say, look, if we do this shady thing, will you agree to not take any action against us? And they'll write, yeah, if you're just going to do this shady thing, but don't go into extra shady, we'll look the other way. All right, but if you happen to get into, you know, super shady, all right, you know, we start rolling temperature around here, uh, oh, we're going to get you. And I'm paraphrasing like 20%. This happens in not just securities law, a tax. It's funny, I, I, I was reading in another context the, the saga of Wesley Snipes. Maybe I'll get to tell it to you one of these days. As you know, he went to prison, not for tax evasion, interestingly enough, but for not filing his return. But he got really bad advice that told him he shouldn't have to pay taxes. And it's interesting because part of what makes it hard in these cases is that he could have actually written them or had his lawyers write a letter that says, hey, if I don't pay any taxes, is it okay because I starred in some of your favorite movies? And they would have said, no, fool. You have to pay the taxes. He would have been okay. And so I want to encourage you, whenever you have a process like that in which you can ask for an advisory opinion, get one. They're free. And it'll save you a lot of time. It'll keep you free. And now that said, l let's be clear. Th there are some letters that you don't need to write uh, because you really should know better. And if I was on the Ohio board, I'd be on the lookout for this fool here. Uh, when he came before me for anything, I'd be like, you know what? You're guilty. Until proven innocent. No, no. You know, matter of fact, you're just guilty. Uh, and the same, I imagine, would be true in just about every other context. And here's what I mean by this. Um, if you ask your spouse, uh, if I were to hypothetically cheat on you, would that be okay? Um, let me just tell you something. Uh, it's not going to be okay. Not only will the answer be it's not going to be okay, but from now on, you're going to have to check in every five minutes or so when, when you're away from home. And that's assuming you even keep your outside privileges, and, and rightfully so. The same thing will go for your boss. A boss, hypothetically, is it okay if I steal, you know, all the assets one weekend, you come in and all the cop machines be gone, would you be mad? Um, you're going to have to find another job. If what you're asking for is shady, like I'd like to be able to steal all my competitors' clients by tricking them into thinking that when they Google their name, they come to me, um, you really shouldn't have to answer that. have anybody ask that question, answer that question for you. Uh, you need to answer the easy questions for yourself. Uh, and you need to answer it just like uh, Nancy Reagan. Well, just say no, Ronnie. Or maybe whatever your name is. But you get the point. Yeah. You didn't leave me. I can't believe it. You didn't leave me. Didn't have anywhere to be just then. to warn you. 
I've heard relationships based on intense experiences never work. Okay. We'll have to base it on sex then. Whatever you say, ma'am. <laughs> That was a clip from the movie Speed. I think it's about time. We've been going through movies for 24 weeks now. I haven't made this confession yet. I think my wife is not going to listen to this episode. She has enough of me during the week. So I think I can get away with saying this. Um, I'm going to confess it right now. You're going to see a lot of this in the Athia Awards. I, I love me some Sandra Bullock. And if Levin Sandy B is wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, please don't tell my wife, but if you know Miss Bullock, uh, please throw in a, a kind word for your boy. But I digress. The nominee here is the movie Speed, in which uh, that filthy and, and disgusting Keanu Reeves uh, kissed my woman. But anyway, besides that, <laughs> the category here is Most Creative Billing. And this soon-to-be ex-lawyer from Illinois was extremely creative in his billing. Clients don't always have cash on hand. Right, sometimes bartering is necessary. And so this lawyer agreed to represent the client in exchange for some A. And not that A, fortunately. Uh, th th he had the good A here, Adderall. As an ADHD a sufferer, I can attest that A-Train is the only way to travel. Because without it, I'd be doing something, but it wouldn't be this or anything I'm supposed to do, anything productive. I'd be goofing off on Facebook, like I'll be doing the other 23 hours of the day. But at least I get one good hour uh, with my Adderall. And, and the best part is, is that Adderall is perfectly legal. So long as you have a prescription. And, and not one from, you know, a street pharmacist. All right, an actual medical provider. Apparently, this lawyer forgot that part. And now he's going to have a, pretty much maybe a lifetime to remember it. Uh, <laughs> he just won't remember it as a lawyer uh, because he agreed to be disbarred. And obviously, no one agrees to be disbarred on their first offense. This is not his first. Uh, two years ago, he pled guilty to attempting to sell meth to an undercover officer. Uh, so on the one hand, we can say he's getting better in his drug choice. Right? Better to go from, right, from meth to, to Adderall, I guess, is an improvement. Um, but maybe you won't, don't want to traffic really in any illegal drugs. N not as a lawyer, as an officer of the court. Not really as anybody. And on that note, we should be clear about something. Uh, in fact, this is something you might want to explain to your college-aged children. Uh, just because a drug comes from your local pharmacy, it doesn't make it safe or illegal for you to use unless you have a prescription. In an amazing coincidence, just this week, a New Jersey lawyer found himself in hot water after being caught with Adderall and no prescription. <laughs> Amazingly, this lawyer went to the bar and said, Hey, y'all need to back up off me. And I'm paraphrasing. But maybe not so much in New Jersey. All right, <laughs> but I'll quote him directly. He said the drug is widely used in law schools and increases my focus and stamina and increases both the quality and quantity of my work. I gotta say, he's probably right. This is early in the morning. I've already painted the inside and outside of my house today. It's 7 a.m. I'm not disputing this claim, uh, but unlike him, I have a prescription. And this is a real big distinction here. Given the positive side effects of increased energy, concentration, and focus. That means I also changed the oil in my car this morning. Anyway, in addition to all that, the problem is that too many people think of Adderall like it's coffee or, or Red Bull or seeing police lights in the rearview mirror when you're black, like an instant adrenaline boost. But the truth is that it's a controlled substance, like cocaine. 
And if you wouldn't go into court and say, hey, oh, your honor, it's just Coke. That's how I do. Then you can't say it's, it's just Adderall unless you are in New Jersey. This lawyer obviously doesn't even get a suspension. It's New Jersey. He gets a censure and, you know, can I get a, a hit? And I want to spend just a, a second talking about this because this really is an important issue and not just for lawyers, for everyone, students, as you can tell, not just that athletes. And what I mean by that is not just the idea that you should avoid performance enhancing drugs, <laughs> but that you have to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, and no matter who you are, all right? Adderall's perfectly legal, but you gotta get your prescription. There's some things that are legal, but are not prohibited to be used. One of the things I want to talk to you about is the tale of Shikari Richardson. Shikari Richardson is a young woman who at one point had won the Olympic trials in the 100 meter um, sprint. She's a phenomenal sprinter, great personality, very attractive, everything you'd want. She probably was going to end up being the, you know, the, the Mary Lou Retton of the 2020-21 Tokyo Games particularly she could have won in the 100 meters. But that won't happen because she has been disqualified because her drug test came back positive for marijuana. Now, people have pointed out, and probably rightfully so, that marijuana is not likely a performance-enhancing drug. It certainly doesn't make you run any faster. There is an argument that it helps you with your concentration. This young woman says, I didn't take it for any of those reasons. I found out my mother had died. And so, you know, it was the way she dealt with her grief. And you can totally understand that and respect it. Some people might have turned to a bottle, which ironically would have been legal. But in this case, she turned to pot. Pot shows up in the test. She acknowledges it. And it just shows that with regard to all drugs and controlled substances, the rules matter. And interestingly enough, a lot of people on social media are saying, you know, she should get to go, etc. There are no Olympic athletes saying that. Not one. They all understand and acknowledge that, yeah, these, this is the rules of the road. And it's important to understand in your profession, whatever that is, even if you use this as, as mom's little helper, as, as, as it was described in the, in the 60s and, and, and 50s, you have to follow the rules. Right? You need to get a prescription or whatever that is. Because with regard to controlled substances, it matters. It, matter, it matters a lot, and you can get a lot of trouble even if you're not doing anything quote-unquote wrong if you don't do it right. Mm, mm, that's good. Somebody write that down. But before you write that down, what you need to write down is I will go to iTunes and leave a great review. I'm also going to tell everybody I know about the Ethi Award podcast, and I will hit them in the neck if they do not subscribe immediately. Except for that last part. Well, I mean, I, I'll put it away. I'll look the other way. All right, do what you have to do. <laughs> that said, I'll see you and several of your friends next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Take care, everybody. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, C-L-E dot com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa C-L-E or at the Ethi Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.